Instinctively, man has always been drawn to the sea. Its beauty, its mystery, its secrets. But there is also a vague uncertainty, a sense of intrusion into an alien world, where man is unwelcome and completely at the mercy of the most terrifying predator on Earth. Man's deepest fear has risen again. Jaws. The Revenge. This time, it's personal. Everybody's a bad fans. Without pants, of course. <laughs> Always forgot that part. You can't forget that. <laughs> James with me, uh, or as I like to call him, my uh, Hooper. Hooper to my uh, uh, Chief Brody. Yes, I'm, I'm glad I'm Hooper, not Quint, because uh, you and me both survive uh, our encounter with the Great White Shark. <laughs> yeah, nobody wants to get ripped in half. No. So. It's always a good thing, right? But actually, I know I've never read the book, Jaws, but I've heard something that Hooper actually dies in the book and Quint survives. I think it's reversed. Really? Yeah. But I'm not 100% oh. sure. I don't know why it's reversed in the movie. Yeah, but we're going with the movie version. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the official version for the Bad Fans Without Pants podcast. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, Tim, stop distracting me with Jaws. What's wrong with you? That's what Hooper does. He's distracting me. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, um, where was I, Tim? You're just blaming me for distracting you about Jaws. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. So let's get into our, our, our um, Dark Knight Rises minute-by-minute commentary. How does that sound, Tim? Sounds good. I'm excited about minutes two through three. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> Much yeah, more exciting. Maybe we'll actually one. be in the air. Maybe. Let's not get our hopes up. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. But yeah, let's do it. All right, so all you got to do is sync your digital download or your uh, Blu-ray or your DVD or your VHS copy. Maybe you have VHS. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you never know. How about a beta um, copy? A beta copy. Or a, um, eight, what are those things called? The HD DVDs? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, better yet, LaserDisc copy. Yeah, <laughs> LaserDisc copy. Whatever happened to LaserDisc? I guess they just got phased out, right? Yeah. It's so big, and you had to flip the side over like, to watch yeah, the second yeah. half of the movie. Like, but Star Wars <laughs> did come out on LaserDisc. Like, it took them forever for DVD and Blu-ray, but LaserDisc it went to right away. <laughs> Wasn't that a Lucasfilm thing, that's why? Was it? I don't believe so, yeah. but maybe, maybe it has something to do with it. But huh. I think they came up with the technology for the LaserDisc. I'll have to look into that now. Yeah, see, I know more about Star Wars than you do, Tim. <laughs> just Star Wars like this. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, so just sync up your DVD or your Blu-ray or your digital digital download to uh, the two-minute mark, and I'll give the countdown, and uh, just hit play. So, three, two, one, hit play. Look, they're in the plane. What do you know? <laughs> yeah, finally. And there's Dr. Popo. What's the name of that CIA guy? Is he just CIA agent? I would think he has a name, but I don't know it. We'll have, we'll have to wait till we get to the credits on our minute-by-minute commentary. <laughs> uh, 
Oh, great. So another 200 episodes. Yep. <laughs> and his plan that Bane calls him out on right away that he knows is not going to work. <laughs> and what a useless plan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he played the part good. He made it like he threw someone yeah. out of the plane. <laughs> so which guy is the guy that dies? I think it was the first one he was uh, steady oh. to or shot at the plane. And as Bane's about that's to start talking, that's it. That's three minutes. Yep. <laughs> well, at least we got some action. At least it's not driving and grass and yeah. walking. <laughs> A gun was fired, so that's something. <laughs> twice. It was, yeah, it was fired twice, right? Oh, no, only once. Only once. My bad. You were um, So, yes. <laughs> Just for effect. So, yeah, that's our uh, Dark Knight Rises minute-by-minute minute commentary for this episode. Uh, so, our next episode, we'll be going from minute three to minute four. Um, so, we're finally making some room. I mean, we're, we're finally, you know, into this pretty good, though. Yeah, maybe we'll get uh, to see Bane's face in the next one. But it takes him, like, a good few seconds to take off the bag that's over his head, so <laughs> you never know. We might just yeah, no. take it. And it's not like I want to watch it beforehand to find out. <laughs> yeah. I want it to be authentic. Because <laughs> if not, what's the point of this commentary? <laughs> I know. I mean, I mean, what is the point of this commentary <laughs> in general? <laughs> uh, anyway, um, Tim, why don't you give us our future topic for this episode? Yes, let's do it. So this episode's feature topic is going to be our 2013 year in review. Now, since 2012 year in review episode was kind of a big one because we actually had a Batman movie. But for 2013, there was no new live-action Batman movie. But there was still a pretty big year for Batman. There's a lot of stuff that happened. I mean, first off, in January, we got The Dark Knight Returns Part 2. And then also later in the year, we got Flashpoint's Paradox, which were two great animated movies that featured Batman. And also, we got a new Batman animated TV show with Beware the Batman. We got an announcement of Batman being in a new movie in the Man of Steel sequel. We found out who's going to be the next Batman. Some great comics. So, a new Batman Arkham video game. So, 2013 wasn't a slow year for Batman, that's for sure. But out of all those... Maybe in the comics. Maybe in the comics it was a little slow. Maybe at certain points. But it did start off with uh, the final parts of Death of the Family. We got into Zero Year. And then there was a the whole Damien death thing that happened. Now, that depends if you liked it or not, but there's a lot of interesting stuff that was going on. But out of all those things, Dean, what would you say was the most standout thing for Batman in 2013 for you? Wasn't it obvious, Tim? Uh, ben Affleck. I mean, <laughs> that's the biggest news of this year, you know, across all Batman mediums. I mean, comics, TV shows, animated movies. This has to be the, the biggest news of the year because did we really expect that? Coming into 2013? Oh, heck no. I mean, a year after The Dark Knight Rises just ended? I mean, no way. Right, right, exactly. And uh, I would say that's immediately followed up by, um, I mean, it's not really a Batman thing, but uh, Gal Gadot is uh, Wonder Woman. Mm -hmm. And third, I would probably say, I'd probably say it was The the Dark Knight Returns for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, like you said, probably no announcement or news is going to be bigger than 
Ben Affleck being Batman. And just the fact that we're getting a Batman-Superman movie in general, I mean, how can you get bigger than that? But for me, really, out of the thing I probably enjoyed the most out of the year 2013 for Batman, I'd probably have to go with Beware, the Batman TV series. I mean, going into 2013, I was really looking forward to it, and it actually pretty much delivered on my expectations. And, of course, with animated series, you never know how it's going to be, and nothing's ever going to top Batman the Animated Series, of course. But, um, I mean, we had the Batman, Batman Brave of the Bold, two totally different series, and we were just kind of anxious to see how Beware the Batman was going to fit in with all the other series and its tone and how it's going to set itself apart. And it was more of a darker series, than, of course, than Brave and the Bold, and even The Batman. I just really liked their interpretation that they did for Batman. And unfortunately, we've only got to see about, I think, 11 episodes, and it's on hiatus now. We still don't know when it's going to come back. I mean, thought they said January. Yeah, I think that's what they said, but they just released their schedule for January, and it's not on there anymore. Uh-oh. <laughs> So it's like, uh, <laughs> when is it going? Hopefully February now, but who knows? No, but. He, uh, here's what's going to happen, Tim. You're going to announce it's canceled, and all of the episodes that you haven't seen is going to be bonus content. <laughs> <laughs> Where have I heard that before? <laughs> hmm, let's think about that for a second. I will say, though, at least with the other series they canceled, like Young Jazz's and Green Lantern, the animated series, they were good at it. And at least airing the remaining episodes. It may have took them forever, but we eventually got to see them all. So right. I'm at least expecting the same for Beware the Batman. And it's like just at the end, the last, I would say, five episodes is when the series really got going, kind of with this overarching story that it's had for the first season, which really delving into the League of Assassins and uh, Rachel Ghoul and uh, Lady Shiva. And right where we're getting more into that is when it's kind of just abruptly went on hiatus. I mean, I think the last episode, or the second to last episode, we got our first look at Rachel Ghoul, and now we're still waiting to see where all that's going to end up going. So I was definitely into the series, and it just unfortunately took a downfall as far as disappointment amongst fans where it just got put on hiatus. I mean, we are used to it from last year with Young Justice and Green Lantern, but it's just a shame that it had to happen again. But, yeah, the voice acting was great in it. I liked the designs for the most part. I mean, I, this is, it was kind of weird the first episode seeing a CG Batman. But once you see the first episode, you get used to it. And just the fighting in it was really cool. The action sequence are really well choreographed. Probably one of the better action-oriented series, animated series I've seen. Just with how the fight choreography and the movement of the models of the characters were animated, just really well done. So, yeah, I would say Beware the Batman was probably my favorite uh, I don't want to call it, you can't call it Batman news, but it's my favorite Batman thing of 2013. Well, <laughs> you still haven't seen that episode of Beware the Batman, huh? No, no, I haven't, because, um, like I said before, we go off of the West Coast feed, mm. and um time does it come on? Um, I want to say, like, West Coast? it was pretty early, around 9 or 8, something like that. Yeah, so, that would be, like, um, <laughs> <laughs> like five or six o'clock in the morning, I would have to get up and watch it. Um, especially on a Saturday, it's like, oh, I, I really don't want to. And um, I don't really watch enough TV to really invest in a DVR or a T phone uh. or <laughs> things like that. So 
that's why I haven't seen uh, Beware the Batman yet. Yeah, well, maybe when the series is all wrapped up, which unfortunately might not be too long, <laughs> you can download them or something and check them out. Because yeah, it's definitely yeah, worth definitely. watching. Yeah, well, I mean, you've always given it glowing reviews, so, I mean, they, they, they must be doing something right if they're impressing the biggest Batman the Animated Series yeah. fan I've ever known. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, they really are, especially with the character Batman. And there are certain things I wish were different, like, I really couldn't get into the character Katana. It just every time she's there with Batman, just thinking it should just be Robin, Nightwing, or Batgirl. Even this, I just don't think her character fits with it. I can understand why they want to do something different, but it just would have worked better to me if they want to use a character that most fans are familiar with and that works well with Batman in the past. So that's probably my one big knock on it. Ain't no about that. Do, do you think um, it would have been better or better than Katana being in the show? If they made their own villain, I mean, they, they made their own sidekick. Sidekick, sorry. Um, no, probably not. At least not for me, anyway. Because I would yeah. still think to myself, why did they just use Robin or Barbara or a Batgirl or a, a different Batgirl? It's like this is a character we already know has worked with Batman before. And yeah, Katana yeah. has as as part of the Outsiders, but she's just working. It's just the two of them. There are no other group called the Outsiders that she's a part of. So that just what really makes you think, oh, we just wish it was Robin. Yeah, but then like you said, after Beware of the Batman, I would say uh, the Dark Knight Returns animated movie and the Flashpoint uh, Paradox were highlights of 2013. I mean, I I think I'm going to give the edge a little bit to the Flashpoint Paradox, because I just think that was really well done. And I just love that interpretation of Thomas Wayne as Batman and just how yeah. it was brought to life in animation in that movie was really well done. Yeah, the the only knock I have on Flashpoint is at certain points in the movie, the animation looks really, really bad. Are you talking about, like, before the parallel world, like, in the beginning with the Justice League? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I've heard that exactly. complaints from a few people. Yeah. But, but, I mean, that was a great movie. And um, for someone that hasn't really read Flashpoint, I've, I've only read a couple of issues here and there, and the ending, the ending of course. Um, it's just one of those movies, especially the animated movies, that makes you want to go back and, you know, tr- try to collect all of the uh, all of the issues because, mm-hmm. um, I mean, it, it, it was just so good. Yeah, especially some of the tie-ins that maybe you didn't get, like the Aquaman tie-ins, the Wonder Woman tie-ins, just to flesh out that story more. <laughs> See why yeah. get more in depth why they hate each other so much in that movie. Yeah, yeah and I, I wish they kind of went into. More of uh, Martha Wayne's story. Oh, man, that of, you know, awesome. <laughs> just that one scene, yeah. you know, when uh, Bruce gets killed. It'd be awesome if that gets its own movie. I mean, James Tucker <laughs> has talked about that. <laughs> I mean, this sounds really well. We'll do that movie. That'd be amazing. <laughs> or maybe just a short. I, I'd like to see a short. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah, they could probably do something in 15 minutes short. Yeah. Yeah, get on that WB animation. <laughs> just for us. <laughs> Yeah, my my only knock for the other movie, uh, The Dark Knight Returns, um, is the guy who played Joker. Oh, really? Yeah, I just felt he tried like way, way too hard to, you know, um, be Jokerish. Okay. Like, he, he he just tried like a little, little too hard to get into that voice or to create his own voice, and it just sounded, you know. Uh, cheesy. <laughs> hey, you know what? My dad said the same thing when he saw the movie. <laughs> he said, I always get problems with the guy who did the Joker voice. 
<laughs> Gee, I'm not alone, thank no, you. God. <laughs> and I still want to get the, because they, just like, I believe in October, they released both movies as part of, on one disc, just as one long movie. I still want got to get that. Cause it's going to be more convenient to watch it as one long movie instead of uh, turning it off and popping in part two and taking the other disc out. Yeah, but do you, do you think that'll like change your your whole impression of the movie? You know, see, seeing part one and two combined instead of how you originally saw it. You know, part one and then part two. No, I think it's it'll be better that way. I mean, it's a more you get the complete experience of the story they're telling and a more immersive experience. I think when you're watching back to back. Yeah, because cause me and my sister were talking about this recently because uh, she she asked me uh, if she could borrow my uh, Dark Knight Returns because she really wanted to see it. Mm. And um, we were talking about the that whole part one, part two, and if they were combined. And, you know, she's a really big Harry Potter fan. And uh, you know how that last movie was split into uh, two movies? Yeah. She said she tried to watch um, part one and part two, you know, kind of combined or close together. Uh-huh. She said it, it, it's not the same movie. Really? Yeah, because it, it, it kind of goes on for too long, and you can kind of see uh, the separate parts' flaws. Uh, I could see that probably. I'm sure yeah. length as, is a big factor towards that. Cause, yeah, when you're watching a full-length feature film, I'm sure watching them back-to-back as one whole movie might not be the best experience, unless you could sit through all that and you really enjoy it. That'd be great. But I could see where maybe it would be different from how The Dark Knight Returns Part 1 and Part 2 are split up. Because, yeah, it'd be the same thing if I were to watch uh, The Hobbit three movies back-to-back-to-back to back to back oh, <laughs> one whole story. <laughs> oh, or even better, like, try to watch the, um, the Lord of the Rings extended editions, like, back-to-back-to-back. <laughs> because back to back. aren't they, like, four hours each? Or, like, three? Almost, three yeah. Some change? yeah. At the very least, if they're three and a half hours long. I think Return of the King might be actually... Pretty close to four. Oh, <laughs> oh man. <laughs> you got to do a day of watching all six Star Wars and all three Lord of the Rings. There's your whole day. <laughs> uh, I've, I've actually tried, um, and I only got through um, the prequels because, um, you know, honestly, it's like a little too much. Mm-hmm. And I mean, even for a Star Wars fan, <laughs> you know, it's, it, it's a little too much for one day. Or would you add a Jaws marathon in there, too, all four of those movies? <laughs> all you need to do is watch one. Yeah. <laughs> That's the only one that matters. <laughs> Man, I actually saw a clip, I forget what I was watching, some YouTube video, like a collaboration of scenes, like the worst movie scenes of all time or worst special effects of all time. So they had a clip of Jaws 3. Three or Jaws 3D where the shark blows up. <laughs> oh man, couldn't help but laughing. Even before it blows up, this was superimposed 3D shark. That was always good. Like, oh man. Oh, oh wait, is it part three or Revenge? Part three. Oh, it's part three. So that's when they're in like a Sea World type theme park. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> when it blows up for no reason. Yeah. <laughs> it's the same thing with with uh, Revenge, like. Like the shark uh, impels itself, or they uh, they impel the shark on the that thing that holds the sail in the front of the boat, uh-huh. and for some reason it it um, explodes, <laughs> for just like no reason. At least in Jaws one, they had a reason because they had yeah. the uh, the scuba tank in in the mouth. But like, I was even thinking about that because 
How does the scuba tank stay in the shark's mouth like that? Maybe it was mouth was so full of other junk <laughs> that it couldn't swallow it in time or something. Maybe Quint was yeah. holding it in place. <laughs> Quint was or a hero after fun. all. Yeah. <laughs> he was holding it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, so Star Wars Marathon followed by Lord of the Rings followed by Jaws. <laughs> yeah. We got two nights set. Or weekend. <laughs> But yeah, also we got a new Batman video game, Batman Arkham Origins. Well, I gave my opinion on it on a few episodes, but you just recently, uh, I want to say passed, but you didn't really pass <laughs> because of a glitch. Uh-oh. But you played the majority yeah. of it. <laughs> yeah, and I'm going to give a little disclaimer for anybody listening to this um, this podcast right now. If you're going to buy Batman or- Arkham Origins, don't uh, buy the PC version. Because there's a glitch right at the end of the game. Now, spoiler alert, you fight the Joker at the end. And um, it's, uh, what do you call it, Tim? Um, oh. Like the, the fight itself? Yeah, yeah, because it's, it, it's kind of scripted. It's a quick time and, event, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. During the quick time event, when you, when you do the beatdown on the Joker, uh, there's a really bad glitch that... Um, when you hit the the punch button repeatedly, it doesn't punch, and you gotta it just uh, circles back to uh, where you're blocking Joker again with the knife. Oh man! <laughs> yeah, so do not buy the um, the PC version. Um, but besides that, and you know, shame on you, Warner Brothers Interactive, for not putting out a patch for this yet. Um, even though the game came out when? October? I know, it came out in October, yeah. That's inexcusable right there. Yeah, so that was like three, two, three months ago. So, I mean, that's a pretty crucial <laughs> moment in the game <laughs> that needs to be fixed. Yeah, that's the worst part, too. Like, the very last sequence of the game, you're so close to seeing the ending, and then, boom, oh. you can. That's got to be awful. I know. Um, but besides that, I love the game. I uh, I mean, it's a lot of the same old crap again, you know. Um, <laughs> well, not crap, but... Well, yeah, sorry, maybe... Wrong word, sorry. Uh, same old stuff. There you go, Tim. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it's the same old stuff like uh, Arkham City, where you go to one objective, and then you can't get in the door, so you got to go do five other things before you can get... Get through the door. Before you get through the door, you gotta beat up guys in the front. And once you beat up the guys in the front, you can go in. But once you go in, there's another set of doors that you have to do three other things to unlock that door to get into that main area. That's pretty much Arkham Origins and all the Arkham games. Uh, so it, it's it's a lot of that, and it's a lot of the same things. But um, I really like how they um, they improved a lot of the gadgets and um, uh, the boss fights too, man. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. I was about to say the boss fights, especially um, the uh, what's his name, uh, Deadshot one. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that one was so frustrating until you figure out that rhythm, that sort of rhythm. Uh, it took me a few tries, but I finally figured it out. You mean Deathstroke, right? Oh yes, sorry. <laughs> Deathstroke. <laughs> Deathshot is there, yeah. so I thought that's maybe the one you were talking about. But. Yeah, Deathstroke. My bad. I'm sorry. Um, but 
on that same topic, I, I didn't like how some of the assassins were just, you know, one hit kill sort of things, you know, like uh, Electrocutioner. I see, I love that with him. Because he's such a nobody villain, like you would expect yeah. Batman to beat him with one punch. I thought that was great. I guess in that sense, it, it makes sense. And also, I, I, I guess too, if they made every single villain, I mean every single assassin, you know, this big large fight, it, it would have went on. I mean, the game would have went on for forever. Yeah. So they greatly improved the boss fights, and like Tim said, you don't you don't necessarily fight the insignificant villains, which is which is a good thing now that I think about it. And um, yeah, I, I I just love the game. <laughs> I can't I can't I can't say any more about it. So do you have a ranking for it yet, or you would fit it with the other two Arkham games? Would that bug taken into consideration? <laughs> uh, don't leave the bug out. Well, well. Here's the thing. Have yeah, you seen it's the really ending? hard. Like, have you watched the ending on YouTube or anything like that? Oh no, because okay. I'm trying to, to you know, drudge my way through the, the console <laughs> version right now. Oh, okay. And it's just like uh, repeating itself, and it's getting kind of boring, and I end up you know turning it off. You should put it on easy or beginner mode and just plow right through it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I did. But like, I mean, especially when. When you have a goal that's like all the way on the other side of Gotham, yeah. or the map, it's like oh, I gotta fly there because I didn't take down the uh, their transmission thing. It's like oh, I gotta I gotta glide there, and hopefully I don't you know come up come upon anybody with guns. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh yeah, that's another thing. Uh, I really like the the use of the Batwing and how you can. Um, you can unlock certain parts of the map to get uh, to to just be transported there via the Batwing. Yeah. And I mean, come on, the Batcave, the real, real Batcave. Yeah. Awesome. Not, not that. Oh, I conveniently placed a Batcave <laughs> underneath Arkham Asylum. <laughs> sort of thing. I, I I love the Batcave, and you know that that sort of twist with uh with Bane and uh Alfred. And how you gotta use electrocutioner's yep. gloves to re reshock uh, Alfred yeah. back to life. Great stuff. That, yeah, that was great stuff. Um, but besides that, my rating would be I mean out of ten, I would give it a seven and a half out of ten. Because yeah, it's a lot of the same old stuff that we've seen in Arkham Asylum and Arkham City. It's it's um it's a winning formula and I, I can't really fault them for, you know, repeating it, but I felt that the improvements to the to the uh gadgets and the boss fights and um you know, especially the bat suit. I love the bat suit in yeah. this um this game. I didn't really like the Arkham City and Arkham Origins one. I mean, Arkham uh, Asylum ones uh, very much, but uh, this one I felt that they did really good, and you know, the, the detective mode with the whole recreation of the the, um, the murder scene or whatever is, is really, really cool yep. to just, you know, fast forward and then rewind and fast forward and rewind like 500 times. I, I thought that was a really cool improvement, but with that said, yeah, they had the winning formula. They made some improvements, but I felt that it wasn't enough to, you know, to be on that level of Arkham Asylum and Arkham Origins. So, yeah, seven and a half, seven and a half for me. So it'd be third amongst the three games then, right? Second, okay. because <laughs> I think it would go Arkham City, Arkham Origins, and Asylum. I'm almost the same way. You just flip-flop 
Asylum and City. That's <laughs> my number one and third. <laughs> For me, um, Asylum w- was just too small to. I mean, especially after you play Arkham City. Yeah, so I can see that. Too when small you play to first, And that's like your oh, first yeah. experience in that. It's like, man, it's awesome. I think that's yeah, why I, I like it so much because it's so new. And for a Batman game to deliver a triple-A title like that, like a, just any other video game, you've never seen that before with a Batman game because a lot of them aren't really that great. So maybe that's why Asylum just kind of holds a special place in my heart as the best of the series. Yeah, I mean, playing you know, Asylum for the first time for, like, any bad fan, unless you really hated it for yeah. some reason, um, it, it, it's kind of like watching Batman Begins for the first time, you know? Yeah, that's a good comparison. Yep. It's, like, it's, it's like that same magic, and it's like, oh, I can do this, and I can go into detective mode, and I can sneak around, and I can glide, and I can be Batman finally, you know? Well said, yep. <laughs> so that was probably the last big thing to happen for Batman of the year, was the release of Arkham Origins, so it was a good way to, I guess the last big release for Batman <laughs> was to have that game come out was a good way to close the year out, I would say. But um, as we like to do in our year review episodes, uh, we give out our, I want to say Batfans Comic Awards, but that just sounds too generic. So <laughs> we need to come up with something more clever. The the Batfans Without Pants um, Pants Awards. There you go. <laughs> the Batfans Pants Comic Pants Awards is all like that. <laughs> The best fans without pants, pants awards. <laughs> um, co- no, comic pants awards. There we go. There you go, yeah. So whoever wins gets a pair of pants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we only give out Levi's, though. Okay. <laughs> Good thing you told me in advance. I was going to give out Arizona pants. <laughs> Those are, like, generic, right? Yeah. <laughs> But we hate Wrangler, so we don't know about Luke. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll send those to Endesetti. <laughs> <laughs> Even though she's a girl, we're going to give her Wrangler male pets. <laughs> That's how bad her Catwoman was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're so right, Jim. <laughs> okay, so for our first Pants Award... <laughs> What would you say was the best story arc that you read this year? Probably Hurwitz's um, Mad Hatter, because Mad Hatter is a real villain that I didn't really care about. You know, I I kind of skipped the comics that he was in, to be honest. You know, um, I did really didn't like the villain. I I thought he was just like a B-list villain, but what with what um, you know, Greg Hurwitz did with. Um, with the Mad Hatter, especially his past stuff, where, you know, um, he was kind of pure, I, I wouldn't say pure pressured, but he was um, kind of influenced to be normal, and he was taking mm-hmm. those pills, and that eventually made him crazy. And, you know, all, all that stuff with Alice and his friends, and how he wasn't, you know, your typical, I was picked on in high school kind of villain, you know. Yep. He he wasn't like you know Jonathan Crane. He he was actually he I mean he he was you know this strong person and for some reason all he could focus on was his greatest flaw. Even though people didn't care, even I don't think even Alice cared about it, right? No, yeah, 
Yeah, because the moment where she went on that date with him in that fair, like, they really had, genuinely had a good time with each other. She wasn't, like, doing it for pity. She really had fun with him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But yet, he was focused, he was so obsessed with the fact that, you know, he was short. <laughs> and it's, it, it, it makes him even more tragic than, you know, that whole Jonathan Crane I was picked on in high school, or random villain I was picked on in high school kind of thing. And I felt that that was one of those stories where, kind of like Hurwitz's Penguin Pain and Prejudice, where the, the past stuff was as good as the current day stuff with with Bruce and um, Natalia and, uh, you know, Mad Hatter trying to recreate his high, high school days, you know? Yep. If anything, the flashback stuff might have been better than what was taking place in the current timeline. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. If I had to pick one, it would probably be the the past stuff. But, yeah, so so probably uh, Hurwitz's uh, Mad Hatter. Yeah, for me, I mean, the easy answer would be, Death of the Family, because I really thought that was great, but technically not all of it came out in 2013. We just started at the end of 2012 and made it 20 to 2013. So I won't pick that. And like you, I really love the Mad Hatter story arc. That was one of the better story arcs this year, I thought. But I don't want to be a copycat. So <laughs> another story arc that I really like, which kind of took me by surprise, was um, Detective Comics' uh, Wrath storyline by John Wayman. And I know John Lehman hasn't had the best track record with Detective Comics. For me, he's been hit. <laughs> For you, he's just been outright terrible. <laughs> yeah, to be honest, I I dropped the book until there's a new writer on it. <laughs> just a few more issues. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I really like the story arc with the Wrath. I mean, just the idea of having someone who's out, not necessarily to get Batman, but out to get cops, pretty much be a cop killer, but Batman has to try and stop him, even though, a lot of the cops he's targeting don't necessarily trust Batman. They actually think Batman's the killer. So it was just a storyline of concept that I really like, that Batman's trying to protect these cops, and uh, but the cops don't necessarily trust him just yet, except for Gordon, of course. But then the artwork on this was really awesome, too. I loved the design for the Wrath. And he's an old character who appeared in some older Batman comics, and his design was totally different and nothing <laughs> as cool as this outfit. I always like villains that have these cool armors and helmet designs. I mean, it's hard to make uh, villains look unique now, I would say, because so many awesome designs have been done. But I really liked uh, the design of the Wrath and just uh, Jason Faybach's art throughout this whole arc was really good. And the, another good thing about it, too, was that it didn't drag on for too long. It was just a three-issue story arc. And I thought it was a perfect length for this story. And you had this some pretty cool, like, uh, heist movie moments with Batman and Alfred trying to sneak into that businessman Caldwell who ended up being the Wrath. That was some cool stuff there. And then there was no big mystery or some red herrings in there to try to throw you off of who the Wrath was going to be, which I was kind of expecting. But it was pretty much revealed early on that this corrupt businessman named Caldwell was the Wrath. They didn't try to throw, like, a curveball in there to make you think that he's the Wrath, but then it's someone you don't totally expect, but he doesn't really make sense that he was the Wrath. Now, everything fits together nicely, even if you knew who the main villain is, what who he was as you were reading the issues. So this issue, or the story arc, really kind of caught me by surprise of how much I enjoyed it. It was one of my favorites of the year, and wasn't expecting it from Detective Comics for the reasons we mentioned before. But yeah, I'd probably give it to that one. Very cool. But how about for your favorite 
writer, not necessarily story arc, but overall your favorite writer of the year? <laughs> Do you even have to ask him? J.H. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Williams and Hayden Blackman. Yeah, but know what's, know what's sad about that? It's probably the last time you're going to be saying this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, I think he's going to Marvel I, now. Oh, God. I've read he's doing some Marvel me. book. I forget which character, but I'm pretty sure. Or maybe he's going to hop on a Star Wars book again. Hey, there you go. That's right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Uh, Hayden Blackman and J.H. Williams III, they continued to amaze me this year with their Batwoman run. Especially, you know, what happens with Kate and Maggie. Um, and, you know, their whole Wonder Woman arc was how Wonder Woman should be written. And apparently uh, Brian Azzarello is doing um, the same, or he's in the same vein as what J.H. Uh, Williams and Hayden Blackman were doing. Um, and, yeah, that's my favorite writers. I'm so sad to see them go. I know J.H. Williams is still doing art for DC and... You know, maybe if uh, Hayden Blackman gets a Star Wars book, I'll read it because um, those two guys made me fans of them. You know, not only fans of Batwoman, but fans of them. You know, Williams's art and uh, Hayden Blackman's uh, writing. So, um, yeah, probably those two. Yeah, I would say don't wait for Hayden Blackman to, if he ever gets on Star Wars again, go back and read some of his older comic stories because they're really good. <laughs> Yeah, one of my favorite comics from Hayden, W. Hayden Blackman is uh, Django Fett Open Seasons, which is pretty much the origin of Django Fett, how he became uh, part of the Mandalorian, and how he became a bounty hunter and all that. Really great stuff. Yeah, because, I mean, Django Fett has that Maori look, the New Zealand look, yeah. native New Zealand look. But, like, all the Mal Mandalorians look like uh, albinos. <laughs> It was yeah. like, how did, how did that happen? <laughs> yeah, because he wasn't born into the Mandalorians. He was taken in. Yeah. Them. Yeah. Yeah, it was a great story. What about you, Tim? Yeah, for me, um, of course, again, the easy answer oh, Scott Snyder. He's writing the best Batman comics out right now. But, yeah. um, of course, Death of the Family was great. Zero Year, for the most part, has been great, even though the last few issues haven't been as good as. or They've been good. I won't say they've been. I will say they won't be great as I expect them to be, but. I'm going to go with actually Jeff Johns this year because I love what he's been doing with Justice League and now with Forever Evil and how Batman's being tied into that. And then the whole, even before Forever Evil, the whole uh, Throne of Atlantis story arc that happened in Justice League was really cool. And I liked how Batman was handled in that story arc. There's one scene where Aquaman's kind of telling him that he, like, if the time ever came where Atlantis had to attack the surface world, Batman would be the first person he'd have to take out. <laughs> that was part of his orders to the Atlanteans because he knew Batman would be the best strategist on the Justice League and to know how to handle the Atlanteans. So he knew he'd be the one he had to take out. And the Atlanteans actually put his plan into effect where we see the moment where Batman and Aquaman get attacked. But I just loved how he did that. And then what's going on was forever evil right now. I mean, I'll talk about it when we get to our comic reviews for this episode, but the way Batman is just always prepared for everything, and just <laughs> it's just awesome. I just love how Jeff Johns is writing Batman in Forever Evil. This is the Justice League for the most part. How he's not really happy about Batman and Su Batman and Wonder. Ah, I'm getting everyone mixed up. How Superman and Wonder Woman are dating now. How Batman has his reasons for why they shouldn't be, and how he that kind of affects his plans to how to 
take them out if one of them ever goes rogue. So just awesome stuff that you would expect Batman to do. So, yeah, not necessarily a main Batman book, but I love what Jeff John's been doing this whole year with Justice League and Batman in the Justice League. So I'm going to give it to him. I guess the next one would be if you had an overall favorite single issue of the year, if one just comes to mind that just really stands out. For me, probably... Now, I know a lot of people didn't like it, um, and I can see why, and, you know, it's a fair judgment. Uh, free country, by the way. But probably the last issue of Death of the Family, because I felt that that's what Scott Snyder didn't do was the um, the uh, thing that made that ending so sh- so powerful. You know, he didn't, you know, screw up the Bat Family that much, you know. Yeah, I know they're they're pissed off at Bruce, but um, he didn't screw with that too much. But I felt that he brought uh, Batman and the Joker closer together in the sense that Joker kind of went to Bruce's house, <laughs> you know, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> yeah, he kind of went to his house and you know went into the Batcave and found that back, you know, that back entrance or whatever to the Batcave and even though it was kind of the hush ending where hush falls into the water I just love how he ended it with um, that hello I can't remember what it was called Holonium or something and Bruce has the um, the periodic table on uh, on the the Bat computer and it just says ha H-A (laughs) and it's kind of like yeah but he's not going away and he's going to be a problem for a long long time until you you two die (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Uh, yeah, and, and your legacies are tied together forever. Uh, oh, well, that's what, at least what I got from it. There I, it is. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I was not one of those people who hated it. I thought it was a great ending to his overall story. For the reason you said, too, a lot of people were expecting the shock conclusion where maybe somebody dies or gets severely hurt and they're never going to be the same. But he stayed away from that. But yet it did have an impactful ending where – the bat, members of the Bat family weren't the same after that. So, yeah, I definitely agree with you with that choice. But my choice is going to be a little different, but still with Scott Snyder. <laughs> my favorite issue this year would be Batman number 24, which is pretty much the first appearance of Batman in the new 52. I really thought Snyder knocked it out of the park with this story art from the first page to the last page. And it was an oversized issue, too, but it was worth it. <laughs> I mean, the opening sequence where Batman makes his first appearance of the Red Hood gang and he just takes them all out. And then he creates his bat, the bat signal on a billboard with members of the Red Hood gang. <laughs> it was really cool. And then seeing his fateful encounter with the Joker as the Red Hood gang leader in Axis Chemicals. A lot of stuff in there reminded me of Batman 89 and that whole sequence in the chemical factory. Just really great stuff. There was... My only knock on that issue was some of Batman's dialogue, something a little out of place, but it's kind of easy to overlook that by how awesome the rest of the issue was. So as far as Batman getting a new origin story and a new very first appearance, uh, Snyder did a great job with issue 24 and Zero Year in general. So that one probably had the most lasting impact on me. So I'm definitely going to give it to that one. So I'm not going to say, oh, I usually give it to Snyder, but I'm going to be different. I'm going with Snyder on this one. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because it was a great issue. And then I guess for our last Bat Fans Without Pants Pants Comic Award, or Comic Pants Award, whatever we're going to call it. <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Because they're not actually getting any pants. <laughs> <laughs> Would be our favorite artists of the year. 
That was, I have a feeling this is going to be an easy choice for you. Yeah. Do you, do you even have to ask, <laughs> okay. ask me to? <laughs> Why don't you go? Yeah, I'm actually – see, I'm kind of torn on this one, but I think I'm going to go with an off choice. I'm going to go with Jason Fabok on Detective Comics. Because regardless of what you say about the stories, what John Lehman's been writing, I love the art on Detective yeah. pretty much. Yeah, no, I, I definitely – I definitely agree with you. Yeah, definitely. Overall, I would say 2013 has been a really good year for Batman. Yeah, it has. Um, but I, I can't help but look back at 2013 and think it was very uneventful. You know, the, there wasn't really any big stories. Yeah, sure, we had the the, um, the Damien thing, and then we had de- Death of the Family, and then now we have Zero Year, you know, and um, uh, Forever Evil. But it just makes me kind of question where DC is going with this whole new 52 thing, especially with that that upcoming five years later story. Yeah. So you guys are flashing for five years later, but you haven't really set down any sort of roots for the origins of your characters. And, you know, there hasn't really been a good, solid Batman story, you know, for the new 52 I mean, you can maybe argue uh, Court of the Owls. Yeah, I would argue that. And pretty much I'd argue anything Scott Snyder's doing because those are pretty awesome. Yeah, but I, I, I feel like the ground isn't set yet for five years later. You know? Yeah, I'd agree with that, though, yeah. It's still a little shaky. People are jumping around everywhere. You know, Scott Snyder jumped back to zero year, and Batman and Robin is doing the whole Damien thing, or they were doing that whole Damien thing, and... I don't know. It's just not consistent. Yeah, Yeah. it's not consistent right now. And I feel that before, you know, you do five years later and you do all these other things like Forever Evil or whatever, you have to have consistency and a solid ground to go off of. Agreed. And I think it's time, too, that DC should just drop the new 52 tagline. It's going to be... Uh, three years this, into 2014, so <laughs> it's not new anymore. <laughs> so actually, like 45 years from now, we're still going to be calling it the new 50s. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so maybe in 2014 we'll lose that tagline on all our DC comics. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. Yes. Um, so is that it, Tim? Yeah, that should cover all the Batman stuff in 2013. Looking forward to 2014, though. I would say the most thing I'm looking forward to is... I'm not banking on it, but I think we're going to get it. We're going to get a trailer for Batman and Superman at the end of this year. And I think that's going to be <laughs> something really awesome to see or something that's so shocking, you don't know what to think about it when you see it for the first time. Well, I'm personally waiting for some uh, Bullock news. Uh, <laughs> Got to keep up to date with that Bullock. Yes, Yo. you're, you're holding out the day for the Bullock movie. The Bullock movie, the, the Bullock uh, comic series the Bullet TV show, the Bullet action figures. The video game. Video games, right? There you go. Maybe uh, you can uh, eat all the food or something, you know, <laughs> you know, find food, something like that. Yeah, fall in love with Jane Doe, even though, I mean, even though you think it's that real lady. Uh, you know, just stuff like that. You know, I, 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 should pitch, I, I should pitch this to Warner Brothers Interactive or you know, EA or something. Hey, you know what? A bullet game would actually be pretty cool. Have you played the game L.A. Noir? Yeah, I have. Yeah. Pretty much make a game like that, except you're, you're Bullock, 
and he's more of a wisecracking cop. <laughs> That'd be pretty fun to play, actually. <laughs> you wouldn't get very far in uh, rundowns, but <laughs> yeah. it'd be like he, he'd have to ask the younger cops, the street cops, to go chase yeah. that guy. That's when he switched characters. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, with that a game, La Noir. You you've played it, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. That that whole lie, doubt, truth thing was so hard to figure out. Yeah. Even though if you look at their faces, like, oh, are they lying? Are they doubt? Like, like what's a doubt? I mean, what does a doubt face look like? <laughs> I was, I was saying I was fifty fifty on those guesses. Some of them I got right, and then half of the other times they were, I was dead wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think I got up to the um, vice desk and oh. I looked at a strategy guide. <laughs> <laughs> I would say that that ending was pretty weak. How your character spoil alert. Uh, dies at the end. You're in a yeah, sewer, no. and the water just washes them away. <laughs> yeah. Like that's it. <laughs> yeah, and I kind of didn't like that whole drug smuggling thing. Yeah, it was, was kind of like, so I'm doing this, but another thing is happening while I'm doing this other thing. But yet, it all connects in the end, mm-hmm. and it's kind of kind of a forced end. Yeah, it's that like the doctor, that Hollywood doctor, or something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the newspapers, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, give us the bullet game instead. <laughs> yeah, or just use that engine and there you, you know go. make a bullet game off of it. Yep. <laughs> Except make it good and don't let your character die at the end. And you know your friends are drug dealers now. <laughs> yeah, especially not bullet. You don't want him to die. Yeah, you don't want bullet to die. I mean, he's the lovable, mean detective, fat detective. So how could he die? Right, Tim. Exactly. All right, let's get this pitched over to WB right now. <laughs> we'll get this game aged somehow. Yeah, because they'll listen to us. Yeah. <laughs> Forget two, guys on the, two guys on the podcast named Bat Fans Without Pants podcast. <laughs> let's go with them. Oh, but anyway, speaking of video games, Tim, glad you brought it up. Glad you brought up L.A. Noir because that game was pretty good, but the ending really sucked, and it was kind of not worth the money. Exactly. <laughs> Even though I got it used. I got it when it went down in price, so I can't complain too much. <laughs> yeah, but still. I mean, it was like, uh, whatever. But anyway, enough about L.A. Noir. What's wrong with you? I'm sorry. I thought it would be a nice tie-in. But yeah, uh, looks like um, Arkham Origins is going to get another DLC, which is um, coming in 2014. Uh, so anytime this year, there's uh, 360... Two days they have. You have to stay out. It's going to come out December 31st, 2014. <laughs> but yeah, it's um, there was an image, and it says Wayne, Wayne Foundation Humanitarian of the Year, and it shows, uh, and it uh, depicts, sorry, a woman holding up a heart-shaped diamond with shards of ice in the background. So I think the rumor is that it's supposed to tie into Heart of Ice. Um supposed to tie in some way uh, with Mr. Freeze and, you know, Nora and the the cryogenic slumber chamber thing that she's in. So, Tim, what do you think about this? Yeah, I am really excited for it. At the same time, too, I'm a little worried it might go in another direction. But I'll say why I'm super excited for it, which you pretty much already alluded to. I mean, to play some kind of adaption of Heart of Ice would be Amazing. <laughs> I mean, it's, they're really setting it up. The humanitarian award. It looks like it's going to be Mr. Freeze because of the ice that's around the award. But I mean, if we get somewhat 
of an adaption of that story in Arkham Origins is going to be really cool, I think, to play it as. But my one yeah. worry is is that they might go with the new 52 Mr. Freeze origin story oh, where Tim, he's going Tim, after th- Bruce Tim, Wayne and not that is the better. No. I hate to say it, Tim. I hate to say it. I think Heart of Ice is one of the greatest episodes of television I've ever watched. But I've got to say that Scott Snyder did something more. He he didn't just repeat this same old story, oh, Nora, sort of thing. He did something else with it. He made it his own, and it's better, Tim. I'm sorry. That's I'm it. sorry, Tim. I'm it, sorry. It was it his is. own. It just wasn't better. <laughs> this well, is the debate that'll never die. <laughs> well, that's why you will always be wrong. But anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> this DLC... I say if it is based on Heart of Ice, this DLC will suck unless we get some uh, chicken noodle soup to take out Mr. Freeze. <laughs> oh, yeah, that would be awesome. <laughs> That's the last uh, move you do it because the boss battle will probably have some quick time events, and that will be the last thing you pull out some chicken soup out of his belt and smash it on his head. And then your achievement or trophy unlocks that says the cure for the common cold. <laughs> but anyway, that is... Um, our only piece of news, Tim, yeah. or the only one that mattered. No, I think that uh, was actually the only piece of news. <laughs> oh, did we already? Oh, yeah, we already talked about Greg Hurwitz leaving. Yeah, that was last episode. So, how about we talk to Alex via email? Let us talk to him. Hey, Alex, how's it going? <laughs> <laughs> I'll compose the email. You tell me what to say. That's how we'll talk to him. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, so even though Alex didn't send us um, emails for, like, the longest time, Alex, what the hell, man? thought we were buddies. <laughs> but I guess we're not buddies, Alex. I guess you really do hate us, even though we named you the Fifth Beetle. Or what else did we name him, Tim? I think it was just that. <laughs> yeah. But, hey, that's high praise. Yeah, that's high praise. Even though you're the four- Fourth leg of our table. Does that sound right? I guess. <laughs> uh, but he did send us an email, and I will read it for you. It's a very long email, Tim, so you might want to strap on a seatbelt and uh, get comfortable. Put your legs up. Take off your pants if they aren't already off. <laughs> take off your shirt. Uh, put a fan on you, maybe. Yeah, we're not going to be doing any of that. <laughs> I'll just put my feet up and sip my soda. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, But anyway, he says, hey, bad fans, I wanted to get... Alex, is hey, bad fans without pants? Not hey, bad fans. It's hey, bad fans (laughs) without pants. That's it. Trash the email. We can't read it now. I know. You know what? Screw this email. Sorry, Alex. But you need to resubmit your email. It's not the correct format. (laughs) (laughs) And Alex is probably listening to this and be like, can you just get to my email already? (laughs) (laughs) He says, uh, hey, bad fans, I wanted to get this email to you ASAP because I wasn't sure if you were were recording today. So he sent this today, Tim, Friday. Perfect timing. uh, January 3rd, 2014. Uh, When did he send this? At 9.59 a.m. my time, which is 11.59 your time. Uh, so what were you doing at 11.59, Tim? About getting ready to eat lunch. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so you were doing nothing important? <laughs> yeah, eating lunch is very important. Yeah, you're right. It's a valuable meal, um, or most important meal. Uh, 
He says, yeah, I, I wasn't sure if you were recording today. I'm sorry. Don't be sorry, Alex. We love you, no matter what. You could be a Tyrannosaurus Rex. We'd still love you. <laughs> he already was a Velociraptor. <laughs> oh, yeah. You could be Jaws from Jaws, and we still love you. We'd have to blow you up. We would still love your pieces. <laughs> <laughs> Even if you're a shark in 3D who roars like a lion. <laughs> and blows up for no apparent yeah. reason. <laughs> But he says, uh, the weather's been messing up with my psychic abilities lately. I didn't know you have that. And so if you have psychic abilities, Alex, you would know that I'm naked right now. <laughs> no. no, I'm just playing. Or am I? <laughs> A question we don't want the nosing as it's No, it's way too cold to be naked. Um... <laughs> uh, so, so that's why he, I was unable to respond for episode 46, even though the last episode uploaded was 44. We've la- Velociraptors are cold-blooded, you know. Right, Tim? <laughs> yes, they sure are. Because they eat you when you're alive. <laughs> uh, he goes on to say, Anyways, great episodes. I second the Wonder Woman recommendation. I haven't followed her... I haven't followed the Her Name Shall Be Not Be Named title, but I think Wonder Woman has been the current best superhero book from both DC and Marvel. So that's pretty high praise if it's from both companies. Yep, he's right, too. That's a good thing. Uh, I always tried getting into Wonder Woman, and while I really like her character, I found her series kind of boring, except for the George Perez reboot in the 80s. I tried reading Gail Simone's and Greg Rucka's runs, and I couldn't get into either of them. Definitely check it out. So I guess he's talking to me. Um, and then he says, I don't know, guys, but I've lost interest in every Batman book other than, other than Snyder's. I wish I had the same enthusiasm for the Nightwing title as you. I've enjoyed his small appearances in Batman, Justice League, and Forever Evil, Forever Evil far more than anything in Higgins' run. I haven't found any of the villains interesting, but it could be made up with some soap opera elements to his life. But, but but it could be made up with so, some soap opera elements to his life. But it could be made up. What does that mean? <laughs> Are you having trouble reading? <laughs> no, no, it says, but it could be made up with some soap opera elements to I his think life. He, I think he's talking about you'd be more interested in it if there was some more soap opera or drama in Dick's life. Oh, yeah, it's more drama. Okay. <laughs> but even those I find very underwhelming. It's the same with this, with his uh, Batman Beyond. Oh, Tim. Oh, Okay, now it's going to be personal, Alex. (laughs) Well, you're going to like what he says next. I absolutely loved it. There you go. All right. Until Higgins Higgins took over with his Batman Beyond 2.0. It just sounds very generic. (laughs) Oh, Tim, I'm sorry. Are you crying? I think I can go on. Alex, you finally send in an email and you make Tim cry. What's wrong with you, man? When you mess with Batman Beyond, you mess with me. (laughs) But, you know, he he does redeem himself in your eyes with this next paragraph, Tim. We'll see. He says, however, I'm with you, Tim, on the Batman the Mask of the Phantasm. There you go. It's still my favorite comic book movie, and it's up with Fight Club and Alfred Hitchcock's rear, Rear Window as my three favorite movies. I've never cried while watching a movie before, but just thinking of that scene with Bruce pleading to his parents in the gravesite pulls at my heartstrings. See, Alex does have feelings. He cries. Just like I do when you put down Batman Beyond. Where do I leave off? Okay. It, it also has my favorite Joker origin. 
we knew the we knew from flashbacks he was a scummy guy before having his accident with the way he acted toward Andrea, and that he was a hitman in a mob. That's all. That's all I needed to know. It's also tied with Bruce's origins because of his killing of Andrea's father indirectly because indirectly. Freaking Alex. <laughs> Dane, just mess up that you can't read. <laughs> I can't read. I'm illiterate. I'm totally illiterate. Um, okay, he says, it's also tied with Bruce's origin because of his killing of Andrea's father indirectly caused him to become the Batman. There we go. In regards to the upcoming comic book movies, all I want is a great film that's true to the characters. I'm um, against the whole ideal of what a superhero movie should be. The Dark Knight movies are great. Thriller, slash crime, slash drama films. And The Man of Steel was a great sci-fi drama film. I think comic book fans bring way too much baggage into their viewing, viewing experiences right. <laughs> with a character they're familiar with. So, did he redeem himself, Tim? Yes, all is forgiven, Alex, even though okay. you're not liking Batman Beyond 2.0. Tell Alex you, you guys are friends now. We're best friends now. I mean, the only way you could have made it better is if you said something great about Star Wars. <laughs> Always critical of people trying to redeem themselves. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so he goes on to his questions. Uh, his first question question is, which Batman villain can you relate with or reflects a darker side of your personality? I think I relate most with Two-Face with all the chaos and injustices in the world. I can understand wanting to just leave everything up to chance and trying to keep everything organized, giving up my free will to a coin flip. What about you, Tim? This is a scary choice to make, to reveal that you relate to some crazy psycho. <laughs> Sad. I really wanted to be a serial killer. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go. I'll go with Scarecrow. Besides me being uh, skinny like him, <laughs> that's I guess our biggest similarities. But my hair is not orange, so. But it's the whole thing of his, I guess, fear fascinates. I wouldn't say fascinates me like it does him, but just I guess you would say opposite wise, where fear is just such a emotion that could really that really affects people. I mean, there'd be some that you really want to get rid of, but where. He's someone who wants to expose that fear, but it's kind of opposites in a way, but I'll just say Scarecrow. Yeah, I, I don't really have one. Um, I, I, I really tried thinking about it, Alex, but I really couldn't come up with one. But, but I will too say good that, of a person, Dave. <laughs> yeah, I'm just too awesome, Tim. I'm sorry. It's all right. But somebody has to be awesome. Um, but I will say that I think that all of the Batman villains – and I think I said this before on a, on a different podcast, but I think all of the Batman villains kind of represent uh, something bad about the human psyche. Mm, yeah. Right now, like Joker is chaos, and um, Scarecrow is fear, and Mad Hatter is is about you know obsessing about your faults, you know, especially after you read the Great Hurts, right? Yeah. And you know, so so each villain I feel brings about something bad about the human condition. And that's what I feel makes Batman's villains so much better than, you know, Superman's villains, because you can look at a villain, a Batman villain, and you can say, that's a terrible human being. I can take what makes that ter that person terrible, and I can apply it to real life, you know. 
if if somebody is trying to intimidate you, you can maybe say they're trying to put the fear into you, you know, like Scarecrow does, you know. So so every every Batman villain represents a bad aspect of humanity. So I, I will say that. That's a very good um, answer. <laughs> Yeah, thank you, Tim. A great I, way to get out of not having well, your own. <laughs> I'm bowing right now. See. <laughs> um, but a second question is, what developments do you like in the New 52 compared to what Grant Morrison was doing previously with the Batman titles? Kind of what we were talking about earlier. They're, like you said, we're going to go to that five years later, but there really hasn't been too much footing or groundwork laid down currently. And a lot of the titles, I mean, I think really the only obvious one to go to is Scott Snyder's Batman run. He's the only one kind of laying down the foundation of what Batman's origin is going to be and then what he did with Court of Owls. So I know it's the easy answer, but I think it's might be the only answer, really. Yeah, it's definitely the only answer because I, I, I can't really point to another book. I mean, if we're just talking Batman because, like, Wonder Woman is doing yeah. awesome stuff and Green Lantern, of course, has been good. Even Aquaman. Jeff John's whole run on that has been really awesome, too. His final question is, being that so many people complain about Christian Bale's Batman voice, how would you guys feel if Ben Affleck went with the Gilbert Gottfried voice? <laughs> it would be a pretty bold artistic choice. But let me say, I never complained about Christian Bale's Batman voice. I, I was the one that, I was one of the people that didn't really care about it, you know, of course, Bruce has to change his voice. Same here, Because yeah. people are going to be like, hey, that's Bruce, right? That's Bruce Wayne. And, yeah. you know, I've never really had a problem with Bell's Batman voice. I, I can kind of see why people did, but maybe you're just asking for a little too much, you know? <laughs> yeah, I'm exactly the same way. I could see why some people can have a problem with it, but for me personally, it didn't wasn't distracting or anything or took me out of it, really. And like you said... He has to do something extreme with his voice to make people not realize, oh, that's just Bruce Wayne. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'm with it. And what's he going to do? Make his voice high-pitched? Like, <laughs> talk like a baby? <laughs> what else is he going to do? <laughs> what else is he going to do? You know, he's going to go deep. He's going to, you know, put a roar in his voice. <laughs> anyway. Uh, thank you, Alex. Though. <laughs> that yeah, would be so. That's that's quite the choice, I must say. <laughs> uh, but thank you, Alex, for sending in an email. We always love your emails, um, even though we like to talk all over them. <laughs> <laughs> it's called conversation with Alex for a reason. <laughs> yeah, we're having a conversation with Alex, even though Alex isn't present. <laughs> so make believe, Alex. He's with us in the forest. <laughs> But, yeah, thank you, Alex. We always love reading your emails. So, uh, yeah, that's it. And we can move on to some comic book reviews. So, spoilers, uh, come back to the section later if you haven't read the comics. Um, but for this episode, we're going from, we're doing the weeks of December 24th and December 31st. For December 24th, we have Forever Evil number 4 and Justice League number 26. And for December 31st, we have Batman the Dark Knight, number 26. So, but first, our rating scale is going to be a uh, number of times um, the shark from Jaws blows up for no reason. <laughs> uh, so, uh, December 24th, Tim. All right. I'll just go ahead and start with Forever Evil, number four. And this story arc is really picking up with this issue. I thought this was a really good one. And it starts off with Bruce taking, or 
Batman taking Catwoman to the Batcave for the very first time, and she's just kind of in awe of it. I just really like this sequence because back in an issue of Justice League, Batman was showing Superman his compartment of like contingency plans to take down all the Justice League members. And now that uh, the crime syndicate is here, he's, he's pretty much going to apply to what he was going to use against the Justice League to the crime syndicate. And he's showing Catwoman these briefcases with all the Justice League members' logos on there to for their weakness. He has one for Superman, a ring of kryptonite, a lightning rod from the future, which will slow down the flash, a mother box, um, and then the big thing, a Sinestro core ring for Green Lantern. So he's taking all these things to help him and Catwoman fight against the Justice League or the crime syndicate. Throughout the issue two, uh, we've got Luthor setting up his injustice gang of Black Manta, uh, Bizarro, Captain Cold, and Black Adam, who Luthor is reviving from uh, his fight with Power Man, which he just got creamed. And so these two, uh, Batman and Catwoman and Luthor and his Injustice game end up uh, meeting together at uh, Wayne Industries where they're pretty much looking for a location to set up shop to kind of figure out how they're going to go up against the uh, crime syndicate. But when they get there, they're intercepted by Power Ring, who was uh, told to go over there by Ultraman, who pretty much just found out that Superwoman is pregnant with their child and that she re- found out that Owlman is planning to betray them. He wants to work with Dick to try to overthrow the crime syndicate. So now they have two enemies they have to go against from within and also from uh, the remaining members of the Justice League and Luthor and his team. So when uh, Luthor and Batman and Catwoman, they meet up, they're intercepted by Power Ring, who starts to take them down. But then there's this really great moment that I like where Batman takes out his Sinestro core ring and puts it on and just <laughs> just talks smack down to the power ring. And the only thing that hurts this sequence in the issue is Batman makes a very cool bat construct to go against power ring, but it gets taken out too quickly because his Sinestro core ring is pretty much on zero energy. Its power is pretty much drained. So all he was able to do is create this small bat construct, but it gets taken out by Power Ring's construct of some snakes, and it ends up biting or taking off Batman's industrial core ring and pretty much rendering him helpless at that time. It was just a really cool moment seeing Batman put on the ring, but it just didn't last as long as I wish it did. Because it was, again, showing Batman how awesome he is and <laughs> able to take down this powerful threat. But I thought that kind of would have hurt the issue a little bit since Batman was taken out so easily after he had this awesome moment. But then once Power Ring thinks he has the upper hand by taking the Sinestro ring, a big yellow blast from behind comes and knocks him out. And then there's Sinestro out there, pretty much has his foot on his back as Power Ring is down for the count. Because Power Ring made this cocky comment saying, like, you can't hurt me with this yellow ring. But then Sinestro just blasts him off. He goes, you know, I beg to differ. <laughs> you can't get hurt by this. This is his first appearance, I believe, since uh, Jeff Johns' final issue on Green Lantern and his run, which Sinestro pretty much just went off and left the universe alone and the Green Lantern Corps alone. So he's making his big comeback here. So I really like this issue. Some great, cool moments. I just wish Batman's moment, which was awesome, lasted a little bit longer. But other than that, I really liked how this issue was. Lots of cool fanboy moments, I would say. So I'm going to give this one four and a half out of five uh, random times that the shark from Jaws blows up for no apparent reason. Can't wait to, for the next issues. It's a lot of times. Yeah. <laughs> It was that good. All right, so I'll take us to Justice League, 
number 26, which is pretty much another Forever Evil book. It should be like Forever Evil book 2 or point one five or something like that. <laughs> this issue is pretty much giving us the origins for the different members of the crime syndicate. The whole basis of it is that uh, Grid, who is pretty much the robotic form of Cyborg, there's no human element to him, it's just the, the Cyborg part, and he wants to feel some emotion. He knows that Vic Sage felt emotion, but since he's all uh, robotic now, he wants to feel that sensation. So to do that, he's like looking up all the history on the crime syndicate members to maybe see their origin stories and feel like sympathy for them, feel anger at them. He just wants to feel something. So we get to see what he sees, and we get to see the origins of Power Ring, which is probably my favorite one in this issue, because it's just the opposite of how Jordan on how he is on Earth-3. Instead of being someone who is confident and has strong willpower and can overcome fear, this how Jordan is pretty much a, a wuss <laughs> and someone who's afraid all the time. And that's actually what attracts uh, Abin Sur to him and to give him his Power Ring, because it you know how a Green Lantern ring comes and says, like, how Jordan, you have the ability to overcome great fear you have been chosen. Instead of this one, it says, how Jordan, you are weak-willed, you are uh, like you lack uh, willpower, you have the lack of power to obtain like confidence, stuff like that, just saying all this negative stuff, but that's what the ring's looking for. And the whole point of it was that Abin Sir wanted to get rid of the ring on that Earth 3. He wanted to give it to Hal Jordan because... So being different from a Green Lantern, this ring actually takes so much out of you and causes you like physical and mental pain every time you use it. So that's why Power Ring pretty much freaks out whenever he has to power his ring up because it hurts so much. It's just the very opposite of what the Green Lantern is. And so I thought Jeff Johns did a great job of doing that. And then you also get the origin of Johnny Quick, which is their version of Flash, and uh, Atomica, who was like Earth-3's version of the Atom. And their story is pretty much like Bonnie and Clyde. There's these two crooks out on the run, killers, who actually are taken in or captured by the cops, but then they have, end up getting free and have these cops taken hostage. And they end up getting cornered by the police who are trying to rescue these cops. But when they go to the roof of this building, and, of course, there's a big thunderstorm. And while they're on there, lightning strikes, and it turns Johnny Quick into their version of the Flash. And then uh, his girlfriend... Blanking on her name right now, but she falls into this like area in the building that's full of chemicals, and she gets exposed to those chemicals, which makes her becomes uh, Atomica. And then we get the origin of uh, their Firestorm, who is Deathstorm, which is his is really the shortest one, not really the greatest. But um, I just thought seeing the origin stories for these different versions of the Justice League that we all know the origins for, like Flash and Green Lantern, and just seeing it flip flop, just made for a good read. So, overall, I thought it was a great tie-in to Forever Evil. It just makes you really hate these characters. I mean, Jeff Jones does a great job of writing them that way. As much as he writes characters like Green Lantern, Flash, Batman, Superman, in a way that makes you really root for them and love those characters, he's doing the exact opposite for the crime syndicate, where you really just hate them and just can't wait to see them get taken out, whether it's by the Justice League or even by Luthor. You just want to see him stopped. So, Jeff Jones is knocking it out of the park with that. So, this one's not as quite as good as I would say Forever Evil number four because it didn't have quite um, as many cool fanboy moments but I really enjoy reading it so this one I'm going to give uh, four out of five random moments where the jaws, the shark from Jaws blows up for no reason alright so that'll take us to December 31st and The Dark Knight so I, I, re I really like these silent issues I, I feel that um, 
they're they're almost more affecting than you know having dialogue in in, mm-hmm. um, in the scene. Um, I I really like this one with the with the whole um, uh, single mother with her her mom and her two kids, and you know she gets fired from her. Um, Probably low paying job making like angel ornaments or something. It yeah, looks like. literally a sweatshop <laughs> job. Yeah, yeah, it's a sweatshop job. She gets fired and then she um, she goes home and her baby is sick and she tries to go to the pharmacy. She has the money. She tries to go to the pharmacy, but the pharmacy closes and her her baby ends up dying. And then. Uh, her, fa- her and her family decide to um, sneak into the border, I guess, and uh, go to Gotham because, um, you know, Gotham looks like this great place. And, you know, they get to Gotham, and it's not what they claim, what it claims to be. You know, she, she's working at this slave factory pretty much. You know, her same job when she was back in, I mean, I, I can only assume Mexico. That's what it looked like, yeah. So yeah, I I love that whole part, and I loved how Batman uh, kind of rescued um, rescued the grandmother, and then rescued um, uh, the surviving kid, her older kid, who's looks like her kid is like seven or eight years old, and then the penguin shows up. <laughs> Our favorite. And he's in it very briefly, but I have said this before, and I'll say it again. You said it before, and you'll probably say it again. Do we need another? penguin story do we really need another story with the penguin in it where he's the guy that batman has has to take out or he's the one behind the crime or whatever do we really need another story like that you were going fine with the whole um immigrant family thing i was totally on board totally invested emotionally and then you bring the penguin into it and then batman gets captured by the penguin and that's the whole cliffhanger what's the penguin gonna do with batman uh, for next issue, and it's <laughs> it was going good, and then you know it started to rock. You know the the whole train carriage started to rock, and then it just went on overboard. And it's like, do we really need another penguin store? We don't need penguin. We don't need penguin. Why why couldn't it just be Batman takes out those thugs, frees the family, sets them up in a shelter or something? End of story. Uh, issue number 27, we get something different. You know, why does it have to carry over? And, you know, it's just another ripped off, pro- probably ripped off, unoriginal, banal Penguin story. But I have faith in Greg Hurwitz that Greg Hurwitz may pull something out of this dead character, this dead villain, um, and give us something worthwhile, you know. Um, but with that said, um, I hope we see more of the, the that immigrant family of the the mother and the daughter and the uh, the grandmother. Uh, I hope that's not forgotten. I hope we get a conclusion to that story. I doubt it because I think Penguin is gonna be the main focus of the story, which is unfortunate, very unfortunate. This issue was. 70-30. I would say 70% good, 30% bad. Maybe even 60-40. 60% good, 40% bad. Um, overall, this was this this was a pretty good issue. Uh, so so I'll, I would probably give it a a three out of five times that uh, the shark from Jaws randomly blows up. Um, I'm hoping that we see more of this immigrant family, and I hope that that story 
gets more attention and not the penguin story because I really like that the story about the immigrant family. But uh yeah, so three out of five for me. Yeah, I'm pretty much in agreement with you for the most part. I mean, right when I picked up the issue and found out it was gonna be one of those silent issues where there's no dialogue, I just thought to myself, hmm, it's gonna be pretty hard to live up to the awesome Batman and Robin issue we got earlier. But um for the most part I pulled it off pretty well. Uh, like you said, it did a great job of uh, making you really care about this family, this poor family that just went through terrible things. First, that woman losing her job, not having getting the medicine for a baby who ends up dying. Then they try to make their way out of um, their horrible conditions into Gotham, but then they get captured by Penguin's men and put into the same position of working at a sweatshop. I mean, this really felt for this family and all the horrible things they're going through. And as you're reading it, you know Batman's going to show up, and you're just going to wait for him to pop in and rescue them. So all that worked really well. And I agree with you with the Penguin. I mean, yeah, you kind of cringe now whenever you see him pop up because we've seen him so many times. But this is kind of something I could see the Penguin actually doing. This is more up his uh, alley of crime, I guess you could say, or something that you that you would expect for him to do. And he wasn't in it so much where he really dragged the issue down. But I'll also agree with you, too, where this probably would have worked better as a one-shot. I mean, this, a story that was just done in one issue. Batman saves the family, and then that's it. We move on to something new. It looks like it was heading towards that, too. But um, I didn't like how Batman ended up getting captured. Penguin's men just come and shoot out these bunch of guns with nets, and Batman gets caught in one of them. I think he could have done a better job (laughs) from avoiding those. And then he's obviously going to go up against the Penguin in the next issue, and we'll see how that goes. But I don't think it's going to be as strong in this issue. And I think we got resolution of what happened to uh, the mom in this story either. I think she's still out there and captured by the Penguin because we never saw Batman rescue her. We just saw her rescue the daughter. Oh, yeah, you're right. So we'll probably get resolution to that. And I don't know. Is the next one supposed to have dialogue in it too? Is it going to be like this? Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I tried to find a solicitation about it, but I don't know. I can't really tell. Yeah, well, I guess we'll find out in a month. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it's sad to say the countdown has started for Dark Knight. I mean, after this issue, we got three left to 29. So hopefully these last few issues end the series on a good note. And so far with this one, it's off to a good start. So I'm going to go ahead and give it uh, three and a half out of five times that the shark from Jaws blows up for no apparent reason. Why this book? That's what I don't get. I know. I mean, this book is, most of, for the most part, 95% of the time is quality, you know? And We could think of tons maybe, of other books that can be canceled. Yeah, know, maybe DC has the whole mindset of uh, quantity over quality, you know? I'm thinking, too, maybe that they're going to have a lot more bat books now with their new weekly series that's going to be starting pretty soon. And oh, maybe yeah. they wanted one less main title out there. So maybe that played into it. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever they wanted to. At least uh, it had a good run, and it wasn't horrible from start to finish. <laughs> it got oh, yeah, definitely. Um, just like uh, NSFD's Catwoman run, which is probably going to end badly. <laughs> <laughs> Even before that, Judd Winnick wasn't all that great either. I mean, he had some good issues, but it never really got off the ground. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, so yeah, that's uh, our podcast. We'll, we just want to remind you to go over to uh, tweakedaudio.com and type. Uh, what do we want to remind them to? Oh yeah, to um, you know, just go over to tweakedaudio.com and you know, you place your order. You can buy some good quality, um, affordable headphones. And um, you know, when you're checking out, you can use the promo code TBU Saves. 
and you can receive 33% off your entire order and free worldwide shipping. So just go over to tweakedaudio.com. And uh, you can also check out our host site, the Batman Universe, the batmanuniverse.net, or on Facebook at facebook.com slash batmanuniverse, or on Twitter, and the Twitter handle is at batmanuniverse. And you can follow all of us on Twitter, and uh, Tim's Twitter handle is at timg311, and Rob's is at drummerrob10. Um, and you can also find all of us, I mean, not all of us, on <laughs> you, you, you can find all of the Batman Universe podcasts on iTunes, and you can rate, review, rate and review us, and you can rate and review them. And uh, Dustin's on all of them, right, Tim? On all of them. Except for this one. Except for this one. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, uh, yeah, that's it. Uh, you can send us an email if you want, batfans27 at gmail.com. Uh, we haven't got any other emails, so <laughs> I don't know why I'm saying that. Because I'm forcing uh, you to. <laughs> yeah. You, you'll just squeak it in there. <laughs> and you can, um, you check out our Facebook page and you can follow us on, follow us on Facebook? You like us, is the term for like, Facebook. Like us, yeah, yeah, sorry. I don't use Facebook, but uh, you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash batfanspodcast. So, with that said, Tim, you know what I'm about to say, Tim? It's so not, you say for the episode will not officially end unless you say it. You have to say it for me, Tim. But it's your thing. I don't want to sound like I'm ripping you off and just copying you. It'd be wrong. All right. We love you, everybody. We love you, people. Man, woman, child, old person. We love animals, you. even animals. We love you all. Animals, yeah, we love animals, right, Tim? Yep, we sure do. I got some cats. Yes. You have a cat. I had a dog. Yes. We have a lot of room in our hearts for uh, accepting people. All right? forms of life, yes. All forms of life, even if you're an ant or a cockroach <laughs> or a hyena. You know, <laughs> still love you. We love you a lot, hyenas. Oh, you hyenas out there. Don't laugh at us, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Tim, you had to. <laughs> I had to that. Um, so, yeah, we love you. We'll be back here in two weeks doing this again. Uh, don't cry. Uh, don't be sad, because we'll be back here doing this in two weeks. Two weeks. Just two weeks from now. You have three episodes to listen to. So <laughs> 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 that should keep you occupied. <laughs> Unless you're Alex. Unless you're Alex, and all you do is listen to Bat fans. Auto loop um, over and over. And over. <laughs> That's why we, we should, like, put a subliminal message, like, Alex, give us all of your money. <laughs> Alex, give us all of your comics. Especially if he's Alex Rodriguez, he has all that money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I was thinking about Alex Rodriguez recently. Hey, his hearing should be coming up, as far as yeah, the decision. Yeah, he, yeah, exactly. Uh, I was thinking about that whole thing. And I was thinking, you're Alex frickin' Rodriguez, and you have a ton of money. And yeah, the official word is suspension for steroids. But all you have to do is look at it as a vacation. Just look at it as a vacation. You have a 180-day vacation. You don't pretty much don't have to play this year. Um... You're probably not going to lose any money because you got a really, really good contract because the Yankees are kind of suckers. But <laughs> yeah, but the fact is, if he gets suspended this year, he's out thirty million dollars. He's not going to get paid for this whole year. So 
Yeah, but how much money? How much money does he have in the bank right now? I mean, how much money has he made for me? I know you would you would think that, but the fact that you're losing thirty million dollars is probably not going to sit well. (laughs) No matter how rich he is. Yeah, but I mean, unless you're hurting for money, I mean, you can pass on the thirty million. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, just think of it as a vacation. You don't have to hire any more lawyers. You don't have to pay for any more lawyers, unless. the Players Association pays for your lawyers. No, they don't. <laughs> yeah, they probably don't. That's what I thought. Um, so just think of it as a vacation. You know, uh, go to Europe. Go to Florida. You know, just think of it as a vacation. You don't have to do your job for 180 days. And the team's better off anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't think you guys need a old third baseman. That thirty million can be spent elsewhere for better uses, pitching, <laughs> pitching bullpen. Um, That's it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe a good catcher. <laughs> we already got a good catcher, Brian McCann. Oh yeah, you got McCann. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about him. Uh, maybe uh, a second baseman now. <laughs> oh yeah, That's or. Derek Jeter's future replacement in like two years. Yeah, maybe this year. You never, we don't know. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Uh, so, it has a long vacation. But anyway, goodbye, everybody. We love you, right? We sure do. Okay, we love them. So, goodbye, everybody. We'll see you, we'll see you guys next time. As Dustin said. This is goodbye. 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 Okay. Bye-bye. Goodbye. We will miss you. Yeah.